0: Bridge toll, California customer service number.
1: Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus.
0: Thailand cave rescue operation.
1: What is schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California.
0: Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement How long before give? a wedding should I send out save How many save games the, dates? Are in the first series? Use IMAP to
2: playoffs. check find email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where We were four you Welcome
0: dogs. to the. Voice.
1: And this week, we're going to be discussing the 2023 SEO predictions. Joining me is Burnett Nixon, who is the CEO of Algolia, which is a search and discovery platform used by major brands and retailers like Staples, Universal, LaCoste, and Slack. Yesterday, Burnett and I had an amazing conversation on the evolution of Semantic Search. I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that episode if you missed it. But today, we're going to dive into our 2023 SEO predictions. at welcome to the Voice of Search podcast.
2: Good to be with you again, Jordan.
1: Likewise. Yesterday, we covered a lot of ground. We covered a really amazing narrative around semantic search and how that that and AI is going to really empower the future of, of how search delivers great value to consumers and brands. And we also looked at some search predictions, right? Not just SEO, but at search predictions as a whole. And you shared information on On how the AI powered race is going to drive companies. We went into hybrid search and and what's essential for that. And finally, we talked about like search and navigation and how this is critical to SEO and organic search. I encourage all of our listeners to go back and listen to the last episode if they missed it. Bernadette did a great job explaining these three predictions, but I want to go ahead and just jump into the first one here this AI powered race. You know, it's really funny because. Google for a long time didn't want to play in the AI game, right? Obviously being the 800-pound gorilla in the search space, that statement really wasn't real, right? I think there was like this, this genuine intuition that AI could be evil and be dangerous. But in reality, it's like a core function that makes our technology more effective. Where is AI today and how should leaders of companies be
2: thinking about AI? So it's interesting. AI has been around for many years, some decades, in fact. But I think over the last five years, the five to six years, there have been major technology breakthroughs with the transformers, all of which leading up to sort of where we are today. And where we are today is with the advent of the cloud, you now have the vast quantities and corpuses of data that you can train the AI models on. And you can, as a consequence, it's not just the purview of the few any longer. Now, (laughs) doing all of this, though, is quite complex. There's many, not that many, but there's an initial cohort of companies that are making it look easy. I would say Algolia is one of them. Obviously, ChatGPT is another. And that really has changed the game. It's changed the game. Because we as humans have always wanted to be known and understood, whether that was in our discovery journey, whether that was interacting, you know, with a VCR that back in the eighties we couldn't get the time to change on it. <laughs> you know, we've we've always wanted to be known and understood, especially in now our e-commerce journeys that we're we're on every day. But we were always left wanting because the technology couldn't deliver. And I think The culmination of the transformers and what is coming to bear now with the vast amounts of data that exists in the cloud it's another reason that we are very excited about this next sort of phase in our evolution with AI search. Is because when we have 17,000 customers and, you know, the hundreds of thousands of users, when you've got more users, you have more data, you have more events data. That's what it takes to win the AI arms race, if you like. So the reason that I say that every company should no longer just be setting their sights on becoming a software company, but in fact, being an AI powered company is because the, the quantum leap in the technology has now led to an expectation, not just a desire, but an expectation for us to be known and understood. So therefore, you are in a race with your competition to figure out how you how you assemble this internally. But it is really hard. And it's hard because you've got, you need to have a lot of data. You need to be very technical. You need to have a bunch of data scientists, which are a scarce property. And once you've attracted the data scientists, it's hard to keep them. And, you know, there's a bunch of other things I'm sure that others would would put in that bucket, but it's not easy. And so as a consequence, not everybody is going to make it. Not every company out there is going to make it. And if they, they don't succeed in this race, there will be an extinction event for them. It may be a long drawn out event, but there will be an extinction sure. event. And so for many companies, they need to assess, do they have the technical chops, the ability to attract and retain the data scientists? And do they have the vast quantities of data? And if the answers to those three questions are no, then they need to be looking at AI as a service companies. In our case, it will be search, AI search as a service company. So that's the sort of thought process that companies need to be going through right now.
1: No, that, that's really, really a powerful view, right? Because there, there are these components that you have to have in order for this to be successful. And if you don't have those components, right, you don't have scale of data, you don't have the data scientists and the resources to execute it, you're going to be in a real tough spot you 're not going to be able to leverage AI in the way you you want to and make it useful for your end co- consumer, which is the the game we 're all trying to get at and You brought up open AI and chat gpt there i 'm trying to avoid it at all costs like this is like now this new hot stigma topic, this whole chat gpt and like I, I think it it's not quite there yet and uh, and I'll give you an example you know. Uh, this past week, I uh, was put in charge by my lovely wife to buy dryer sheets. Now, <laughs> I'm not an expert in dryer sheets by any stretch of the imagination, and I purchased what seemed to be an environmentally friendly, seemed like a decent price per unit type of dryer sheet, but the smell of birch did not sit well with my, uh, with my lovely wife. And so I was promptly scolded for choosing a scent that does not match with the family's needs. So, you know, I think it's really interesting. I give you that example because I could have put in dryer sheets in the chat GPT-3 and I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have solved this problem for me. And so I think that it's fascinating that we're still in this world where all these things are so complex, all these needs and these desires are so complex. And when we think about the AI race, what and how can companies like Agolia or others enable companies to do? What are they ultimately helping them do when it comes to AI?
2: So in relative terms, there'll be relatively few companies that are inventing their own AI and designing their own models. There will be. And for example, in the e world, marketplaces are probably one of the great examples where they will want to do that because they you know they want to control that experience but for many companies out there they won't be doing that they'll need and they'll, they'll want and they'll need to be able to partner with which is why i coined the term ai as a service companies so that we can do that hard work and that heavy lifting for them because we'll have the corpus of data we'll have the infrastructure to be able to do that so that they can then benefit from the fact that we will have better trained models that they can then benefit from, as opposed to them having to get a horde of data scientists and train the models themselves. That's a very expensive prospect.
1: No doubt. And I I 100% agree. I think what companies like your, yours and, and others out there are going to do is help these companies stay really relevant with their customers because they're going to evolve the technologies they're using today to meet those needs, right? And there should have been, in my example, there should have been a "Do not purchase if your wife is not interested in manly smells in the laundry." Like that, (laughs) that should have been in the reviews, put right at the top before I got those those dryer sheets. So, but speaking of search, right? Because that's what we're—that's one of the things
2: that could have been a personalization strategy. If this is a single male giving presenting with the birch ones. If not, Perfect. how about spring, yeah. spring flowers?
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes. No question, Bernadette, no question. <laughs> I I should have been more diligent on that decision, but search could have helped me, search could have helped me. Speaking of search, hybrid search, this is our second prediction for 2023. And I just want to start off, what does hybrid search mean? Like, let's let our listeners know about that and then and then go into what that prediction is going to evolve like in 23.
2: Sure. So hybrid search means that we as the software provider we combine both keyword and semantic search and we put them both together in one product in one api and that's hard it's very hard to do but that's what we've always done we you know we sort of make the impossible possible is sort of one of our internal mantras and it's it's hard to do because how do you fuse the results coming from a keyword engine and from a, a semantic engine but that's what we've done so that we have done it so that we take the burden off the customer of having to think about now where do i apply keyword search and where do i apply semantic search you've got it you got it available all the time it figures out based upon its understanding of the query which one will provide the better result for your consumer so that's what hybrid search is and the reason that we say that it will become table states in this next year is because, again, that quantum leap in the technology, just generally in the AI technology space, has led to that expectation of consumers that they will just want more. They'll want more, but they'll also want it to respect the privacy laws that are inherent in their state or in their, in their country. And if you're not able to provide that, you're not got, what's going to happen is you'll have a bounce rate. You know, when people land on your site, you'll have a higher bounce rate if you're not able to do this. If you don't have those capabilities, it's just going to be harder for you to serve up the best, the most relevant, in the, the most timely fashion to your consumers. And if you're not able to do that, what will happen is they'll just become overwhelmed. They'll get disappointed. And they will bounce and go somewhere else because they've got optionality. (laughs) They don't have to walk down the high street. They can just type in another URL. So this is why we say that hybrid search will be table stakes because in order to get the right level of relevancy, you're going to need the hybrid capability. But it's not just because of human expectations. It's also you look at the current economic climate. People have to figure out how to do more with less. That is just a reality given inflation and, you know, all the challenges that we've got going on in the world with supply chain and it's putting pressure on companies. So they they can't any longer just throw bodies at a problem and, you know, just resource it in such a way that they can get a good outcome. So as a consequence, you're going to need automation you're going to to need to have to reduce complexity to be able to do it with fewer people. And that's one of the things that's always been part of our, I guess, design principles, if you like, is that, you know, you don't need a lot of handholding. You don't need to have a lot of resources. You know, compare us to Elastic, for example, and you can do it with, with us with 20% of the resources. So we've always been extremely efficient. And that's because we have looked... To make things that are very complex, very simple for people, for our customers to be able to implement. And so that means that we're going to provide them with the control so that they can have the automation where they can where they need it if they're doing a flash sale. Or they can automate merchandising of certain categories, but they can still have the manual capability to pin and boost whatever they want as a merchandiser for the holiday season, for example. So it's providing that automation as well. and not having to do synonyms any longer for regular. If you're expanding, if you're a, a sportswear manufacturer and you're expanding internationally, well, what we call sneakers over here are, are trainers in England. And you would, up to now, you would have to have put a synonym in place to allow for that. Now you won't, with semantic search now, you won't need to do that. And But the problem is the challenge that many software companies are facing is that in order to do semantic well, vector search is the way that they're choosing to do it. The problem is that vector search is extremely costly and slower than keyword search. So therefore if you imagine the challenge that you've got when you want to scale to massive production, when you've got something that's slower and more costly, then you know you look at Google's Vertex engine, hugely expensive to operate based upon that. That's why we got excited about hybrid search and why we got on the band, not got on the band, we we defined this category in fact, because we got so excited by the capability that we acquired with the search.io acquisition, where we don't just have a vector engine, we have a neural hashing technique, which is a proprietary technique, that means it's as easy to process vectors and as performant, and as almost as cheap to um, as when you're handling keywords. So it's gonna really change the industry, I think.
0: Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, p-r-e-v-i-s-i-b-l-e.io.
1: And really quickly, on this topic of hybrid search, I want our, our listeners to grasp this because I think you, you went over so many great consumer benefits. But on the company side, you alluded to it a little bit there, faster, cheaper, but ultimately like why should companies be investing in hybrid search over other search strategies when it comes to powering their sites?
2: It comes down to the fact that, I think, two or three things. Number one, we've never believed that it's an either or. It's you have to choose either keyword or semantic. That doesn't solve the problem because if you're trying to look, if a consumer is looking for Nike running shoes, if you tried to solve that search request as a company with purely a semantic search engine, you'd fail, and you'd fail because it would put New Balance in there and Puma and Reebok. And I, I you know, I don't know anybody that would want New Balance over Nike. Sorry, just <laughs> expressing my personal opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but, so you would fail if you just tried to do just try to use semantic search for your, for your you would not deliver a good experience for your customers, therefore, the combination of keyword plus semantic becomes really powerful because it enables you to you know reduce the null results without having a bunch of rules or redirects or. That sort of thing that takes up time as a company for you to program into the system. So there's huge efficiency benefits, and there is huge engagement benefits by using the combination, the hybrid combination of keyword and semantic.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, it's interesting because there's business values in in understanding that principle, and then there's also the the realization that there are key investment principles that we need to make in order to grow our sites, right? Like This all connects back to the traffic that ends up on our sites because the traffic that ends up on our sites is going to perform better because we leverage these kinds of search technologies to provide users with better outcomes. Those outcomes lead to more revenue, more conversions, more revenue, and and happier customers, right? And this is neatly packaged into our, our third prediction here, which is search and navigation and this combination that that's so critical uh, to our listeners, but, but more broadly, like, first, let's just, I want to get your take on search and navigation. Like, I would intrinsically think that being the CEO of Algolia, you'd think, you know what, get rid of your navigation, just put a giant search box in the middle of your site and everything will be good, right? Like, I mean, that, that's got to be the logical outcome that you give everyone of your customers, but it sounds like the prediction here is that these two need to work together. And I'd love to get how you think about that connection.
2: Yeah, so it's interesting actually because you know whenever I'm at a cocktail party or just with friends over dinner, and they're saying, you know, oh, so who do you, who do you work for and what do they do? And I give them the you know the elevator pitch and what have you. I elaborate on it because when we think of search, we naturally think of the search box. But the reality is is that search powers so much more behind the scenes and it powers the browse experience. Now, to have a browse experience, you need a navigation structure. And so, for example, we impact that, perhaps not for the whole website, but certainly for key categories, for example. So you can have auto category creation and merchandising and all of that sort of thing. So yes, search powers behind the scenes a lot more than just the search bar, which probably your listeners are are well aware of, but many are not. And so therefore, when we think about, you know, when we think about search, we also think about navigation because we want to impact the browse experience for the end user. And then when you think about it in terms of SEO, you know, we're all going to have to do more with less, as I mentioned before, in this common economy. And when you click on an organic search result and that drops you into a specific website, if you've not found what you want, then what do you do? You try to navigate or you try to search to get more refinement or, or you maybe look at the, uh, the recommendation carousel if it's landed you on a, a product in a product listing page you look at the, the recommendation carousel she's also powered by search and if you can't find what you're looking for to go further and go further then somebody's going to bounce whereas if you have a good navigation and you have a, a great search capability and you've got recommendations on each of your product pages then somebody is going to click and they're going to spend more time and you're going to be rewarded uh, by Google because of your better engagement metrics. So there is a very symbiotic relationship between search and navigation and SEO. And I think given the pressure that people are under with budgets this year, doing more with less, I think people are going to figure that out this year. I think it's going to, the realization that these two things really go hand in glove is going to become, I think, obvious.
1: Yeah. It's such an important message, especially to our listeners and many of them who are at big enterprises. Like We undervalue the need of search as a part of our site. We often as as SEOs think about navigation, this is going to improve crawlability, going to help improve the way users find things. But they go together, like you said, Burnett, hand in glove, like If users aren't able to find what they need in those immediate seconds, these become your ammunition to ensure that consumers are still buying or engaging or following through on the promise that got them there. And I think that's what's really a a critical component to this third prediction and how we're going to have to leverage this in a year where there's going to be more need.
2: And if you think about it, having clean navigation, it means that you're going to eliminate having dead folders, dead subfolders. And when you do that, it means that the Google Google can crawl your site easier. They don't have to be trying to recreate those links. From a consumer perspective, it means if you lob off the, you know, the, the long tail of a of your URL that you're not gonna have a 404 error. So there's many different advantages here that are not necessarily that obvious.
1: Yes, no doubt. No doubt. Absolutely critical component to managing a whole site ensuring that its value is, is identified by by consumers. And in quick summary, we, we had three predictions for this year. We had this AI-powered race and how companies are going to adapt to this new race. We dove into hybrid search in, in the values for consumers and organizations. And then finally, this search and navigation combination that really is what unlocks value for sites. So that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thank you to Bernadette Nixon, CEO of Algolia, for joining us today. This was an amazing episode. And tomorrow, join the Voice of Search podcast as we dive into other search topics. Thanks again, and join us soon.